0: March-April is the time when the injuries hit and the fatigue builds. One day we will hit Anaki Williams' levels of consistency as he reaches six years playing every single La Liga game. But until then, we have something to aim for and honestly, just be thankful we're back. Welcome to the Anglo Italian Pod. As always, my name is Rory, and I'm finally again joined by my good friend
1: Feels Like a Lifetime Ago, Tommy. Welcome to episode 59, season two of the Anglo-Italian Pod. It's a, it's a good thrill to be back. Make sure you follow us on Instagram at Anglo-Italian Pod, on Twitter at Italian AngloPod, and give a cheeky little follow to our good friend and sponsor at the Sports Club Maps. Rory, we are back from the Easter holidays. How have you been? Tell us everything about your beautiful trip along the bel paese, along the boot, lo stivale, Italy.
0: It was
1: incredible. Um, Finally, I honestly feel like...
0: uh, So I had a friend and his girlfriend visit um, and it's the first time I've seen them since Christmas. It's the first time he's come out to visit me in any of the countries I've lived in and I think... We did enough drinking to make up for the ten years that he's not visited. Um, it was you, you might be able to hear it in my voice a little bit. Um,
1: I can. I definitely can. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: It's it was a long weekend, so we did um, first we did Milan, then we went to Como, and then we went to Florence. It was my first time in Florence. Unbelievable city. Like I know everyone I've talked to has been like fallen in love with it instantly. Um, it is like an open air museum. we didn't like go in any museums or anything we literally just walked around like did the free walking tours and visited possibly every bar in the city um a few too many americans sorry american listeners a few too many americans um but it was a beautiful city really really enjoyed it and going back to work today was like a proper reality check but then we get another day off on monday right so you can't complain too much
1: um did did you get to see the stadium in florence or not
0: We didn't. On the way yesterday, my mates went early and they have zero interest in football. Can you imagine? Uh, So I didn't want to drag them to the stadium, but I was quite happy to drag the missus to the stadium. Um, But then we saw it and it was like 40 minutes on the tram and we kind of had half a day in the city and it would have been a tough sell to be like, okay, let's use this half day to look at an empty stadium. So next time I will definitely go. Next time. Um, we'll
1: organize we'll organize a pod trip to, to Firenze to watch an actual game, maybe.
0: Man, I would love it. I would absolutely love it. It was an incredible, incredible city. I definitely recommend it. The meat is possibly oh, I had Pisteca Fiorentina and oh my days. It was honestly like it was kind of like a almost a religious
1: experience.
0: When I first ate it, I was like, this might be one of the greatest things I've ever eaten. It how was many, insane. how many
1: kilos was it? The one that you got? Um,
0: it was a kilogram um but then i obviously didn't eat that myself um we split it between three uh, but even then the missus only had a little bit me and brad split most of it and i was pretty full by the end of the size of this thing it was all easily like i don't know two inches thick or something it's ridiculous No, 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 no. it's
1: big it's big um That's, that's the steak the typical steak from florence yeah
0: yeah and it has to be cooked rare the restaurant we went had a had a sign that was like Vietato chiedere per bistecca cotto Okay, yeah, so for forbidden for, to yeah, ask yeah, for yeah.
1: well, 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 cook the uh, steak because that's the only way they made it yeah. the raw. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. My, but my curiosity is: have you tried the sandwich that I recommended—the one with lampredotto with no. The tripe? No, no.
0: The second I saw it was tripe. When you mentioned it to me, I was like, hmm, and then I saw it and I was like, "There's no way. There's far too many, far too much good salami and steak for me to start." eating stomachs, I I think I'm all right. Maybe one day after a few beers, we'll we'll try it.
1: It's great. If you go to Florence, I highly recommend it to anybody, but I understand that there are some people like my friend Rory, who are not too much into eating the interiors of an animal. My school of thought is the animal is already dead. Well, you might as well, you know, just go go at it and just eat the entire thing.
0: Well, this is exactly no, and I I do. Um, I appreciate the resourcefulness, but um, I'll let someone else enjoy it. Uh, but Tommy, it's like we did a kind of job swap because then where were you for the holidays?
1: I was in London and, uh, guys, I've uh, fallen in love with the city of London. It's uh, an incredible, it's a massive city. It was the first time that I kind of understood the position of the different boroughs, the different neighborhoods. Um, it's big. Um, there's, It's definitely not like Milan. You can go out uh, on Navigli and then you say, oh, then we'll see what to do and we'll move to another neighborhood. You know, in London, you kind of have to plan everything in advance But the weather was insane. I was wearing a T-shirt most of the time. We met with a good friend of the pod, Claudia, uh, who took us along Mm. the the canals from uh, Hackney all the way to Camden Town. It was great. It felt like being in Amsterdam. A lot of people out and about having beers, uh, just enjoying the sun. And uh, I don't know. I feel like I could go. I have different friends who have lived in London throughout the years. And I have a feeling that if I went to London on separate trips with each of them, I would experience something completely Mm. different. Like my good friend, Julio, he's very into rock music. He worked at Abbey Road Studios. I know that if I went with him, he would show me around all these beautiful bars, live music and everything. Then there is the friend who is into football. If I went with him, he would show (laughs) me all the stadiums and everything. And look, it was incredible. And when I left, it was one of the few times that I came back from a trip and on the train to the airport. Spoiler alert. I was drunk on the, <laughs> on the train to the airport. I was looking out the window, and I feel like I felt like i had I had only scraped the surface mm-hmm. of an incredible town with so many different cultures, so many different influences, and it was great. I got to see the Arsenal Stadium. Indeed. did
0: uh, the picture will go on our social media yeah week.
1: it's uh i look i'm wearing this jacket that makes makes my belly look bigger than it is i'm not saying that i don't have one Mate, my but... belly
0: is definitely bigger than before <laughs> i went to florence i'll be honest
1: look the only thing about london uh the prices but i knew it would be like that <laughs> it's not that much more expensive than milan but still um it put quite a dent on my bank yeah. account but look I hadn't traveled to a foreign capital in a while, and I was just happy to be there. But yeah, great atmosphere, vibrant city. I almost got run over like 15 times uh, on the street. Look, I will just say this, and then we'll move to football. Um, You know how they ride on the the road, look left, look right? Every time I see that sign, my brain plays this trick on me, and it's like, Remember that they're doing everything backwards. So I look <laughs> so the opposite actually- <laughs> way. I actually look the opposite way. And then there will be a taxi beeping at me. Also, I have a feeling that cars don't give a fuck in London. Like, they barely honk. I, I feel like I've risked being run over multiple times, but only once have they honked at me.
0: Yeah, I think maybe we don't use the siren as the siren, the horn, as uh, <laughs> willingly as the Italians. But I feel like Italian driving is next level uh
1: terrifying but moving to football, <laughs> Can I <just> football? <laughs> or almost moving to football we are recording on a thursday it's the 21st of april we're talking about england now we're moving to football it's the queen elizabeth's 96th birthday
0: Woo! happy right. birthday
1: madge how excited are you that today it's the queen's birthday
0: Um, Yeah, obviously, like every good English um, boy last night or English person, I could hardly sleep at the thought of... um it being her birthday today. Honestly, Tommy had to remind me when we came onto the record. <laughs> <laughs> to wait, wait. I... Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Of why, did I re-
1: why did I remind Rory? Because we have a brand new game. It's a game called, was this club born before or after Queen Elizabeth? So, Rory, she was born in 1926. Now right. I'm going to go with the seven different clubs. And you have to guess if they were born before or after. Are Let's you ready to take I'm on excited. this panel? Let's do it. Are you ready? All right. Napoli, before or after? After. It was after. It was in August of the same year. Udinese, before or after? Before. Before. I didn't know about this, but 1896.
0: I the- remember, I for some reason, I remember seeing 18 on the badge or something. 18 came into my head. I'm not sure why.
1: Fiorentina, before or after? After. After. After, just a few oh. months after. Also like Naples in August 1926. What about Red Star Belgrade, before or after?
0: It's a tricky one, before.
1: Way after, 19... Damn, I wanted to five. 1945, this is way after. That, Atletico, makes,
0: Ma- that makes so much sense, anyway, yeah. Atletico Madrid,
1: sense. before or After.
0: Let's go Madrid before or after? After
1: before Damn. 1903, we've got two more Olympique Lyonnais before or after.
0: No, I'm, I'm, I'm out of my head now. Before
1: it's way after. Damn it,
0: <laughs> I've gone now. I've gone. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. the
1: last one, Wigan before or after? Before. It was after, 1932. It's one of the youngest clubs in England. I had to look it up on Google. Youngest clubs in England. But yeah, quite a few clubs that were born way after. Our good friend, listener of the pod, she often emails us, Queen Elizabeth. Happy birthday once again, but we're here to finally talk about football. In this episode, we're going to have a friend of the show, Uncle Sharma, on to talk about Enter everything Nerazzurro in our weekly topic section. In our Euro review, we're going to review Coppa Italia and Premier League action. But before we start, I just wanted to say that uh, Roma-Leicester tickets for the semifinals of the uh, Conference League have sold out in less than 24 hours. Wow! I think this is going to be an exciting game.
0: The queue online was one hundred and ten thousand people queuing for tickets. Um, someone put a screenshot up of their like their position in the queue, and it was one hundred nine thousand three hundred and something. It was insane. That is going to be. This is like no matter the no matter the level of the European competition, by the, by the time it gets to semi final stage, it's going to be exciting, if you know. What I mean, already you're
1: like, Yeah, Roma Leicester's going to be a healthy game. That final, whoever's there, will be a great final. Um, write the dates down. We've got April 26th, Mer- Manchester City, Real Madrid, April 27th, Liverpool, Via Real, and then. On the 28th of April, on the same day, we've got four semi finals, both for the Conference League and the Europa League. We are getting to the final stretch. We are super excited. And Rory, I will let you go before we jump to the Euroview.
0: Final, final, final thing. Uh, guest, previous guest of the show, Eamon Zayed, has his team are now running the North Colorado Hailstorm. And they recently, as in last night, um, knocked out an MLS team in Real Salt Lake they knocked them out of the US Open Cup which is a cup competition that they they've formed which is the MLS the USL Championship League 1 and League 2 they all play like an FA Cup type vibe and they won 1-0 in Salt Lake um it was an Irishman who scored the penalty and it's just an update so far they've done they have they've had quite a good start to the season they've um they won one cup game, won one, draw, one, lost one, and then beat Real Salt Lake City. There's a lot of Irish players in this team, it looks like. So Eamon Zaire definitely is using his home connections, but so far so good.
1: He lured them over, and there is one of them that we're in talks with, with being in talks with. It just feels hard to, with the time difference in Colorado. Mm-hmm. But... Uh, He's going to be on the pod before the end of this season. And since we're talking about the United States, we promised our listeners from Minneapolis that we would back the Timberwolves in these NBA playoffs. The series is currently tied 1-1 against Memphis, one win on the road for the Timber Puppies. Tonight, they will be back for the series in Minneapolis. Our friends Carl, Reed, and many more are going to Target Center oh, wow, to see nice. the game. It's going to be the first playoff game that the Timberwolves have played in a long time. Good luck and make sure that Howl Ometer goes all the way to the roof. <laughs> <laughs> and let's jump to the Euroview if we're ready and let's actually talk everything football. It- it's Euro Review
0: Time. Are
1: you excited, Tommy? I'm excited. I am excited. Where are we starting from, Rory?
0: We're going to start in... Let's start with the Coppa Italia. I feel like, well, you were there, Tommy. You were there to witness it. The headline game. I'm sorry, Brad, if you're listening. He's definitely not listening. doesn't give a shit about football. But when we were in Florence on the Tuesday night and I wasn't there, I was properly gutted, especially as I got a slurry of like... Text messages, text messages from Tommy. Like, man, the, the, the atmosphere is insane, and we are drunk in capital letters. I was like, damn, I kind of wish I was there right now. How 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 good was it? Take us through it.
1: Look, I came back from London Monday night, very late, and then Tuesday I had a pre- I slept in quite a long time, and then I was just excited for this game. It was the so there have been three Milan derbies, and Inter hadn't won any of them, and. Uh, You know how Italians don't really care that much about Coppa Italia, but you could feel it around the city like a derby. It was a derby first and foremost. And it's interesting because I feel like this game that was played in another competition could have a saying in who is going to win the title. We are Mm going to get there with Uncle Sharma. But look, I have to say one thing. I want to congratulate supporters on both sides of the stadium the atmosphere at the San Siro was unlike any I had ever seen there the two curvas were just packed. The AC Milan fans, I want to say, I really didn't research online, but that's what it looked like. I feel like the AC Milan curva gave every single supporter a red shirt, and they must have given them instructions on how to clap their hands, because they were super coordinated, and it really looked like, you know, those uh, supporters from Poland or from Greece. Okay, from
0: Iceland and stuff. Yeah, Yeah, exactly.
1: Arms open wide, then you clap in the middle, and then you reopen them wide. It looked Intimidating. Inter's choreography was mad. It was incredible. We held those banners high up for like five minutes, I want to say. My arms were dying. But look, <laughs> the atmosphere was so intense between the supporters, that at the time, it was difficult to follow the game because mm. you could hear, there were so many people singing at the same time that you could hear each and every word of the chants wow. right away. And so you took it personally. You were just like, no, 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 guys, we got to clap back with another <laughs> chant. <laughs> and then it's just like, and then I had a pretty loud voice. So you know how it's also down to the supporter in every section to mm. create kind of like the the momentum, you know? Man, it was great. I was voiceless by the end of the game. Great win, 3-0. Did Inter get lucky? Let's get to it right away. Now, I think it was a very closely contested game and Mm -hmm. both teams played very, very well. I disagree with Arrigo Saki saying that it was... Uh, a low quality game of football and there were many mistakes on both sides and it was embarrassing to watch that's what he said wow um, <laughs> so I, he
0: took the loss well yeah 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 well. yeah exactly
1: yeah. <laughs> i was like yes there were a lot of mistakes on both uh, for both teams but uh, i like the attitude that inter walked uh, on the pitch with we really needed it to mm-hmm. nil up after the first half, that was great. And then the very controversial thing, AC Milan actually uh, score one goal and it's 2-1. And at that point, if AC Milan score another one, mm-hmm. since the away goals still count in Coppa Italia oh, damn. for some fucking reason. <laughs> Even though he'll play... Yeah, anyway, yes, yeah, yeah. AC good. Milan, if they had drawn the game 2-2, um, they would have gone through. So let's say that it was kind of a decisive moment that that goal was ruled out. Now, why was it ruled out? Uh, at first, the interplayers appealed for a handball. Then mm. the VAR called the referee. The referee went looking at the play. There was no handball. However, there was a passive offside. I yeah. believe it was Tomori who was walking in front of Andanovich. It was a very close call. I do not believe it's a scandal. I've seen VAR ruling out... Uh, <laughs> I don't know, worse situations than this. We've seen it on
0: by the pixel
1: of a foot, if you know what I mean. Like it's been close calls. Yeah. Know? Did it, uh, Andanovic was actually walking the opposite way that, uh, as the defender. So it's a controversial decision. I will give it that adjective. But if you stick by the book, I think that it can be ruled out. Did it change the game? Look, I cannot predict a few, the, I cannot predict. Uh, how the future would have unfolded mm-hmm. if that goal had been given. All I know is that it was two one. It still takes time to be, to score another goal, and eventually Inter scored a third. And uh, I think that three nil. Yes, you can recriminate for that uh, for that uh, referee decision, but I don't think you can blame it on the referee for not having won that game. What's your take, Rory?
0: Yeah, I think you're right. It, it, if I was a Milan fan, I'd be saying, but the momentum of the game could have changed, especially with like a heavily charged atmosphere and like how Milan have done well against Inter- kind of across this season. But I think... It seemed like a fairly, yeah, sensible decision to me. Um, I think the goals that I saw from Inter were really, really nice goals. Lotaro's first goal in particular was a very, very nice goal, oh I think. Oh my God,
1: assist um, by Darmian. I know that Uncle yeah. Sharma, we're going to jump with him soon, but I know that Uncle Sharma has a soft spot for good old Matteo. Always it, a decisive is goal, or decisive assist. assist. It's
0: something that I get, I'm not going to say it because we're going to talk about I'm, I want to talk about Peticic with um, Sharma as well, but um, I feel like, yeah, the, the score line flattered into a little bit, but overall we now get another terrible game into versus Juve in the final. But before we talk about Juve Fiorentina, we need to talk about the biggest thing, Tommy. The Emperor was in the stadium. Adriano was Made. in the stadium.
1: Look, that guy, the love that the Nerazzurri fans have for that guy is insane. The voice started spreading throughout the curva. Oh, look, Mm -hmm. look, 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 Look Adriano is on the sideline. He's clapping. He was crying, man. He's like, Adriano will forever feel, we know that he's had his problems with the law and everything. But to me, Adriano will forever be big baby like mm. big baby yeah, yeah, yeah. and forever he will live in my memory with the inter kit um, mm-hmm. the good thing maybe that his career ended a bit early is that yes he went to other clubs but whenever you think of Adriano you just think of him wearing yeah. that, uh, that inter intricate. it was emotional uh, and uh, Inter Milan had so many posts on Instagram about him being back and uh, it just felt good that he, he was there to witness such a, such a big uh, and important win No,
0: I say exactly. And I've seen a video of him on the training ground today with Inzaghi. And Inzaghi was saying to him, you need to come and see us often. Like, come and visit. I think, like, they really do. I know, yeah, it kind of, it it pulled at my heartstrings a little bit. I was like, oh, damn, I love seeing him there.
1: It was also very nice to see Nelson Dida, who is now the AC Milan goalkeeper trainer, moving, going over to the Inter bench just to shake hands with Adriano. That was great to see. Nice. Finally reunited. And talking about Adriano, I've got a nice little stat for you. I will uh, I will tell you right away. He's one of the three. But who are the other two Serie A players to get to fifty goals? Um, the youngest, I would say. So the three youngest players to get to fifty goals in
0: Serie A history.
1: Yeah, one is Adriano, one is currently playing, and the other one is a Brazilian who has been recently saying that he would like to be back at AC Milan. Alexandre Pato. What? Alexandre really? Pato, yeah, at 21 years and 221 days. Then we've got Dusan Vlaovic at I was going to say years. Vlaovic
0: is the other guest. I was going to say Vlaovic is a safe guest. I forget 22 how... years and
1: 78 days and Adriano 22 years and 291 days.
0: Shit, I forget how hyped Pato was, really. I forget how Man, incredible Pato he started. Was, yeah, it
1: was very, very good. The other semi-final in Coppa Italia was Juventus-Fiorentina. Fiorentina had to overturn the last-minute goal scored over uh, at the Artemio Franchi. They wanted to Turin. Unfortunately, things didn't really work that mm. way. Um, Juventus ended up winning 2-0 quite comfortably i want to say and rory i know that you really liked the federico bernardeschi's uh, goal for the one nil i thought he hit it really well the
0: goalkeeper could definitely do better but i thought he hit it really really well his touch and strike i was like that's a nice goal but the goalkeeper definitely should have done better but i feel like bernardeschi gets a lot of slander he gets a lot of slander and i feel like every so often he does something where i'm like oh this guy's pretty good he just doesn't do it often enough obviously
1: I can imagine how happy the Fiorentina fans were to see Bernardeschi, one of their former men, yeah, score that as a decisive well. goal against them. Yeah. But hey, we're <laughs> going to talk about it with the charms as well. This is why we're not going to super in-depth about the Serie A or the Coppa Italia. We have a Serie A and the Inter expert coming on soon. But look, if you want to look at it this way, Inter Milan will have a saying on whether Juve end the, end the season with a title or not. So we already snatched the title from them, the Supercoppa Italiana. Now we're going to play this final in Rome. If we win it, Juventus will not. And, uh, well, about the league, I'm not going to say anything, but Juventus are definitely not going to lift that cup. Rory, let's move to the Premier League. There was quite a lot of action, quite a lot of things to talk about. Where do you want to start?
0: I'm going to start with Arsenal so I can get it out of the way. And then we'll see how much time we've got left, right? Um, No, I think... Okay, so this weekend, I feel like we both kind of took a bit of a holiday from football, right? We were with people, with friends, kind of didn't really pay attention. And it was really, really good. That was really nice, because we lost to Southampton, and I refused to let it ruin my weekend. Although the people I was with would probably say I allowed it to ruin a good few hours of the weekend. But... I was so happy. I didn't see that game. And then heading into this Chelsea game, I thought, Oh God, right. The three games we were supposed to win. We've lost. Now we've got Chelsea United and West Ham. We're going to go like seven games without a win. Even maybe even seven losses. Like this is going to be, are we going to finish mid table? Are we even going to get Europa league? I was in a bad place about to sit down for the game yesterday. And the first half was absolutely mental. Um, So we were gifted two goals, basically. Thank you, Christensen. uh, Just allowing Nketiah to go through and score. Um, And then Chelsea got back straight away. Aaron Ramsdale should definitely do better with that goal. It was deflected, but he has to do better. Nketiah gives the ball away. And it was kind of like our defending throughout was just a bit... We were giving the ball away a lot. Like Both teams were making a lot of mistakes. Our second goal, we went from almost scoring an own goal and handing Chelsea the lead to just some beautiful play, counterattacking up the pitch, intricate passing, Smith-Rowe, beautiful finish. He is now the first under-21 player for Arsenal to score 10 league goals since Paul Merson in the late 80s. Like This guy is having an incredible season. Him and Bakayo Saka are the first two under-21 players to both score 10 goals in a Premier League season for the same team since Ronaldo and Rooney. Like, we are having these are some bloody good players. And what they did was they really put Chelsea to the sword, especially in the second half. Chelsea massively played into our hands. I thought the starting lineup was really quite. I think Tuchel thought maybe he could walk through this game. He played Saar and Christensen alongside uh, Reese James with um, Aspilaqueta and Alonso on the wings. And it meant they had zero width because Aspilaqueta and Alonso weren't able to get through, especially as Saka was being told to drop as a wing-back as well. And Saar and Christensen were just absolutely all over the place. They brought on Thiago Silva to try and like shore things up in the second half. It did not work. What really, really impressed me was the fact that Arsenal, despite being pulled back from a goal ahead twice... We managed to keep our heads, get the lead again, and secure the win. I think in the over the course of the last three games, we've created plenty of chances. We just haven't scored. Now, Crystal Palace was a one-off game. We were terrible, like terrible, terrible. Brighton, we should have got something from. VAR fucked us, and we were pretty bad. And then Southampton, Fraser Forster had an unbelievable game. Like, we were creating chances. We just just winning, winning games. This game is a proper, like marker, especially, as I said, heading into games where we've got Man United at the weekend and West Ham after that. This puts us level on points with Tottenham with the same amount of games played, this North London derby coming up is going to be one of the biggest North London derbies in years.
1: Mirroring their stats, you both have 18 wins, three draws and 11 losses in the league. You're on 11 points. Arsenal have a tight advantage on Tottenham as they won the first North London derby 3-1. So yeah, as Roy was saying, this is going to be very important. But Roy, I wanted to ask you, Chelsea, we've praised their defensive skills over the season. One of the best defenses, not only in England, but in Europe. Over the last six games, across all competitions, they have conceded 13 goals. So really not doing well with that back door. What's going on at Chelsea?
0: I think they were very much relying on individual players, Like, and their depth isn't there. What amazes me is with a player like Saar. so they've kept Malang Sar, who, I, for all I could see, was just getting butchered by Saka every time he ran at him, but they sold to Mori. I'm like... Re- Really? You kept that guy, but you sold that guy? It seems like a kind of a weird decision to make. And you can also say the same thing about signing Lukaku and selling Abraham, right? I feel like still, at times, Chelsea don't trust Their academy system, they like to say how good their academy system is. They like to say how many players they produce. But often, it's for other teams. You'll be like, oh, he came from Chelsea, but he now plays for these guys, right? And I feel like still, they have a little bit to learn on trusting their youth players. I think the defence was great, but they just rely. like, once one piece is missing, it starts to look a bit shaky. Rudiger wasn't playing and all of a sudden the whole thing falls apart. I think Azpilicueta definitely, like, it got to him. He, like, boiled over last night. He gave away the penalty at the end. Now, Saka definitely went down very easy, but Azpilicueta is far too experienced to be doing something like that. Like, Saka's the only player in the box as Pelicueta is literally holding him back, stopping his run. You're Saka said it in the post-match interview. He said, he's asking me to go down. What am I... Like, he's holding me for five seconds in the area. I'm going to go down. Like, that's his fault. And I think it's absolutely spot on. I think he ended up arguing with a Chelsea fan coming off the pitch. But there's two players that I want to shout out for the Arsenal performance that aren't the kind of headlines. One is Rob Holding. This guy, technically, he's not the most gifted. He gives the ball away a lot. He is never going to play for England. But defensively, he is solid. He won like five out of six of his duels. Every time he plays, we are like much more... I don't know if solid is the right word, but we're able to defend situations. We're able to like prevent goals more. There's a lot more last-ditch tackles. He's very, very good at kind of taking strikers out of games and just keeping them quiet. I thought he was fantastic last night, even if Lukaku made it a little bit easy for him. And the other player is the Pyramid Pelo himself. Whenever we need him. <laughs> He turns up. Mohamed Elneny, man. The guy, like, again, not the most technically gifted player. He passes sideways and backwards far too much for me. But every time he comes in for a big game, he just puts a shift in and kills it. He did it against United at Old Trafford, and he did it at Stanford Bridge last night. I honestly love the guy.
1: Wow, the pyramid, the pyramid. I'm I
0: got the Ramadan Summit. What as well? Oh, those Ramadan Summit as well. I can't remember what it was. <laughs> but he absolutely killed it last night. He was... Like, and again, a, a kind of decision that Tuchel made that just made it a little bit easier for us. Kante, alongside Ruben Loftus cheek who I still think is one of the o- most overrated players going, he is mad. Kante could not cover that midfield on his own. Loftus cheek is just his careers, you can see it disappearing from him. Um, he had a bad night last night, and we just completely overran the midfield. Also, granite xhaka he gets lots of stick when he plays badly he gets lots of stick when he makes bad decisions last night was a world-class performance from him he was unbelievable if you watch how he gets the ball out of the arsenal box to settle the second goal he nutmegs alonso in our penalty area to take it out into the midfield that's like the kind of highlight reel moment but just how he ran that midfield was incredible so i think he gets lots of stick but he was great last night and arteta Whenever you think he's getting close to it, he just pulls a result out of the bag. The tactical flexibility last night was fantastic. We went from four at the back to three at the back to five at the back. He was barking orders at the players to remind their positioning. Like He knows how to get results. With young teams, you're always going to get inconsistency. Hopefully, we just carry this now into Manchester United, who I am absolutely terrified of, but they got their shorts pulled down in front of the whole school and were embarrassed
1: look um i just wanted since we're talking about manchester united i needed to address this you have no idea how much harry maguire has become a like a staple meme of social media <laughs> my the, the other the other day i actually before the easter holidays with kids who are 10 years old my students, I split them into groups to create different teams and I was like, come up with a funny name for your team. Not one but two teams wanted to call themselves the Harry Maguires. And they said, why the Harry Maguires? And they were just like, don't you know the meme with the voice saying Harry Maguire? And him just doing something that shouldn't belong to a football pitch. In the game against the Norwich, he kicked the Pogba in the face. Oh, have you seen him... T- Before the game, he stretches as well, doing that movement. He was preparing for it. He was preparing for it. But look, it's all fun and banter. I think it's all deserved. But news just broke out that apparently Harry Maguire and his family got a bomb package delivered to their house. And the police are currently investigating it. So, yes. Crossing the line, however, all the all the memory is absolutely justified. Let's keep it like that. Yeah, and
0: this is the line, right? You have a meme about someone being a little bit clumsy, and there's always some absolute psychopath out there who has to take it too far. I think like things like that are obviously despicable. You don't even need to say it. Like, Jesus Christ, what is happening in the world? But but not even but and um he is, He came out before this Liverpool game and tried to defend his performances and be like, there's a reason why I keep getting played. I'm obviously playing well. All the managers have played me I like and refused to admit that maybe he might not be in the best form. And I think some players, other players in that situation, like I'm going to pick an Arsenal example because I, it's the one I know. But when Thomas Partey was playing terribly at the beginning of the year, he turned around and went, yeah, I've been playing four out of 10. I need to get better. I know my form hasn't been good enough. The team deserves better and a bit of humility would have really helped because what he does is he comes out and says nope i've been playing well managers have been picking me there's no problem here and then is one of the main culprits in an absolutely abject performance yet again as captain shows zero desire i think look we're man united we've talked about it I, i feel like i've said this sentence so many times we've talked about it so many times but There is not one player in that squad, honestly, that if I'm 10 hog, I'm going, right, I'm keeping you. Because they've either shown a lack of ability or they've shown a lack of attitude. There's not a single one. Fernandez had that great start, right? But he's shown his attitude to be terrible. Ronaldo, Maguire, all of them, they've shown that they do not give a shit about that club. They do not give a shit about goals, performances, achievement. I think the ten Hag has got and we had a question from afc finners how long will it take ten Hag to turn united around i don't think they'll give him the time it needs to turn it around i think that's the bigger issue he will take years to turn this around i think you need six seven transfer windows to get this squad back to fighting um uh fighting over liverpool and man city it's not only arsenal have seen it Shifting players that people have seen have been terrible is incredibly difficult. We are still trying to do it, and we've had to pay other teams to take our players. I do not think the Glazers are going to do that. They are taking money out of the club. They are not going to be spending money to get rid of these players. I think it's going to be such a big job getting rid of of a lot of them. Yes, a few of them, like Pogba, their contract's up at the end of the season, but if it was just him, you could move on, but it's not. And I think alongside that, sorry alongside that, they then have to back the manager and allow him to have control of the recruitment. Now, they've sacked their chief scout and the head of recruitment this week, but then Gary Neville came out on Twitter and said, well, they've been marginalized anyway. They hardly had a say. Like, the recruitment was decided by other people. I think this, what United do with players by signing the big name, this is what they've done with the manager. I think they've gone, oh, everyone was saying Ten Hag, everyone was saying Ten Hag, Ten Hag, Ten Hag, Ten Hag. Let's get him and then it'll be fine. And I think they'll get him, but what they need to do is they need to back him, they need to allow him to have that philosophy, they need to give him the time. I just do not think they will do it. I think this is going to be... I think Ten Hag is incredibly brave for taking this job because not one manager since Ferguson has come out of that club with a better reputation than when they left and not one player has come out of that club with a better reputation than before they signed. Like, it is
2: that it is, is incredibly brave
0: of him to take that job. I think the the bigger issue United fans will tell you are the Glazers. It's not... The rest of it just feeds down from that. So I think... Sorry, United fans, if you're feeling optimistic, I'll see... I think you'll see an upturn. You'll see... Against Arsenal? <laughs> Yeah, 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 yeah. This is the the timely boost. But I think, like, you'll see an upturn next season and you'll probably get Champions League next season. But I think if you're looking at challenging for the title again, I do not think they'll give him the time it it, it requires for him to get there. And I think also a lot of teams around you are getting better. Tottenham are getting better. Arsenal are getting better. Like, not only do they have a 10-yard, what's the opposite of a head start? They have like a 20-yard deficit. They then have teams that actually build the momentum around them. I think Ten Hag is very brave, very brave to take this job. Um, but this all comes from Liverpool. One of the most casual and breathtaking performances I've ever seen. Um, Liverpool, this is this is peak Klopp Liverpool. I think this is the best they've been the performances they are doing now beating city in the fa cup final going three goals up or whatever it was fa cup semi-final
1: yeah absolutely spanking
0: united at home this is the best that a liverpool Klopp team has been tiago oh my god there is no player who plays like he does there's no player who passes who sees the passes that he does. And not only does he, his performance against United was incredible. Not only was it the passing, it was the fact that he was throwing himself into tackles, winning the ball back. He had a slow start in the Premier League and people, maybe even myself, I'd have to go back. We're kind of writing him off and saying, is this guy cut out? Maybe he can't get used to the Premier League. Maybe the pace is too quick. Well, this guy has absolutely figured out the tempo of this league. And he, I don't even know if he broke a sweat against Manchester United. Um, Klopp had the quote of, even when we weren't in control, we were in control. I think the first 10, mar- 10 minutes after the second half, United had the ball. Liverpool were a bit passive. They were still completely in control of the game. Um, and I think the second goal for Liverpool, you must have seen it by now. The the passing is unbelievable. Just yeah. a beautiful, beautiful goal. That Mane pass as well for one of the goals is incredible. And it's just, this is a an elite team, one of the greatest ever Premier League teams. And they... Honestly, would you say they couldn't win the quadruple? Like, it, I they've beaten City now. They're the only team that are close to him. Like, yeah, in the final, yeah. they've got Chelsea. I think they should beat Chelsea. If Arsenal could beat Chelsea, Liverpool can beat fucking Chelsea. Like, they've got Villarreal in the Champions League. We said that's tricky, but they should get through that. Like, I don't see a team that beats them at the moment. And with the attacking options they've got, they've got five world-class attackers now, I think. They've got Jota... Diaz, Salah, Mane and Firmino. I think Jota and Diaz, if they're not world class yet, they are knocking on that door and kicking it down. Yeah, Their performance 100%. is at least a world class. Like when you've got five options off the bench that any team in the world would take off you,
1: you're doing all right. Yeah. Can you name the only three teams uh, able to defeat Liverpool this season? Oh, Jesus. Um, one of them was. Brighton? No. No. Leicester. Leicester. West Ham and Inter Milan. Oh! Only, a- one, at, only a- one at Anfield. Anfield. Yeah, only one of the three at Anfield. Guess which one? It accounted for nothing because we we're still eliminated from the Champions <laughs> League. <laughs> hey, what was... no, we,
0: we, I think that was a big moment in, in the season. I think that was a big moment in, in the season. Um... But yeah, that means that the the title race is still now. Man City went and beat Brighton 3-0 after that. Um, Fairly comfortable. First half, very nervous. Two deflected goals. Comfortable in the end. It means that City are still one point ahead. This title race is going to the wire. City need to
1: win every single game. They cannot afford to slip up at all. Um, Possibly not play their goalkeeper, Zach Steffen, ever again in the season because uh, the game against uh, Liverpool... eh? That's that was semi-fuck. the
0: warning we you had the warning from edison you had yep. the warning in the previous game and then zach stefan doesn't quite have it he goes to take that touch doesn't make the contact done mm-hmm. and He's it's um but for, yeah for man united and this top four race i think united now it all goes down to this weekend if they don't beat arsenal they're out of it um i think some united fans would say they're out of it already anyway um The top four race is going to go down to the wire. The title race is going to go down to the wire. But the relegation battle might kind of be done. And I think the Everton owners maybe owe the Burnley owners any money they get from finishing in the Premier League this year because Burnley have just basically confirmed their own relegation by sacking their greatest ever manager. Um, It's insane. So Everton got a last-minute, last-last-minute equaliser against Leicester last night uh, through Richarlison. Um, they conceded in the fifth minute and scored in the 92nd, but that now means that they are level on games with Burnley. Both played 31 games, but they are four points ahead on 29 points as Burnley are on 25. I think the teams that are in the bottom three now, they are the three that go down. Leeds still need to keep going to make sure they stay out of it, but I think the three that are there are the three that go down. And for Burnley, this is just a mad, an unbelievably mad decision. So like Sean D'Aish, he was there um since 2012, he took over. 425 games he's managed, 152 wins, 114 draws, and 159 losses. Now, of those 12 year, over 12 years, they had seven years in the Premier League, including their first their first European campaign since 1967. And across that 12-year period, right? Or across his time in charge of the of the squad, his net spend is 76 million.
1: Wow. Wow. Like, that's, a, that's an incredible number, yeah. He has done it on
0: a shoestring and he has transformed that club. Like they had a stint. No, they didn't. No. They were just they were just championship. They were just a championship team. And he came in, got them promoted. They were relegated. They stuck with him. He got them promoted again. And he has molded that team. Now, you can, whatever, whether you like that mold or not, right, is not the issue. It was kind of long ball, old fashioned football. It was described as like Brexit FC, if you know what I mean. But regardless of whether you like that mold or not, he was incredibly, incredibly successful. And the fact that they've sacked him and not even had someone. Lined up to replace him, so they've just had their youth manager taking charge. You've just handed relegate. You've just handed the team above you survival. I think Everton fans are going to be thinking, "Oh, that is the you know." There's a church very close to their stadium. They're thinking, "Ah, oh, that was the kind of um, <laughs> intervention we needed because it was going to be a lot closer if Dice was in charge." So I think that's an utterly, utterly mad decision. If you're a Burnley fan, you're going to be incredibly pissed off. And all of a sudden, if they'd have gone down with dice, you're thinking, okay, well, they they've got a chance of coming back up. They'll probably come back up with God knows who. With God knows who in charge, you're thinking, okay, will they come back up? Are they going to be another club that kind of keeps falling? Like their new owners, from what I gather, aren't particularly well liked. Um, so yeah, a bit of a, a bit of a mad time for Burnley, and it kind of seals the relegation battle, I think. Um, but that's all of the Premier League.
1: Very nice. We are going to jump on with our friend Uncle Sharma. He's a YouTuber. He's very active on Twitter, and uh, we're going to talk everything about Inter Milan. And he's also going to keep us company for the end of the episode when we are going to preview these weekend's Premier League and Serie A action. I hear a phone ringing. It must be Uncle Sharma. Talk to you soon, guys, on the weekly topic.
0: it's weekly topic time and for the og listeners the people that have been here from day one we've got one of our very first guests back on the show it's been a long time coming tommy's been desperate to talk about Inter. i think now in a kind of happier um mood than possibly three weeks ago four weeks ago but it is our pleasure to announce
2: and say we have back uncle sharma mate how are we doing very very well thank you for having me on guys yeah it was um I remember coming on in the beginning of uh, your podcast and yeah, coming back on is nice to see how you guys have, uh, have grown since then. So shout out to you guys, first of all, very consistent and very high quality content from you guys. Thank you, man. It means
0: a lot. Honestly, it feels like, it feels honestly like a lifetime ago, right? It's like nearly, Knocking on two years now, Tommy. Can you believe it? Yeah. No,
1: man. It's been, a, it's been a while. And I would start right away off the bat before we go to talk about Inter Milan specifically. How are your projects doing, Alco Sharma, for the new listeners? Where can they find you? Uh, how have you been uh, holding up?
2: yeah um still doing my youtube so if you're interested in any interrelated uh content or serial i try to do serial content as well mm-hmm. on my youtube channel um uncle Shaman. yeah I, the other day i hit a milestone of 3k subscribers which was a uh, very nice uh to oh, hit you should. congrats yeah. i saw
0: that man that's nice that's nice
2: so yeah just do continuing to do that and um Yeah, just, uh, you know, just the trolling Milan fans recently on Twitter. So you find me on Twitter at Sharm's. (laughs) Nice.
1: Yes, if you don't support Inter Milan, uh, Uncle Sharma's Twitter is quite intense. I personally love it. But (laughs) so why have you been trolling AC Milan fans? Tell me, Uncle, tell me more about this.
2: Uh, you know, just, uh, probably just that little, little three nil win we had with against them, uh, the other day, uh, you know, two seasons in a row now we've beat them three nil. So, you know, the Milan is definitely, uh, black and blue. Um, so yeah, it feels good. It feels good. And as you said, you guys were about to, you were inviting me about maybe three or four weeks ago when things weren't looking <laughs> so good. Um. And it was going to turn into a a deep therapy session, I think, like a sad therapy session. But today, I think it was going to be a a lot more positivity going around thanks to that, especially that 3-0 win. Yeah, look, what I've learned is that I'm a very pessimistic Inter
1: fan. And uh, (laughs) Uncle and a lot of other Inter fans that I know, they were just like, Tommaso, calm down, it's okay. But after that defeat against the Sassuolo, I was just like, we've hit rock bottom. This one cannot happen at the San Siro. We made it kind of our fortress uh, last year with Conte. This year, we cannot allow Sassuolo to win here. So what gave you hope at that moment in the season where there was no hope for me to be found?
2: Well, I think it was just the fact that this is still, you know, the same, the core of the team is still this Scudetto winning team. Uh, mm-hmm. So the shit surely is like, you can't, can't drop off. Um, and then, you know, those, there was those two months, if you remember, Tommy, like we were, you know, the best team in the league by, by a margin. You know, we were like playing, outplaying teams and visually we were better than, you know, contest team. Like we were still solid defensively, but we were playing even nicer football. So, you know, It was like you know this can't we can't just forget how to play football even though it did look like it, Mm -hmm. and then at the same time we have to remember our schedule. Our fixture list was crazy. Like end of January and February, we had like big match after big match after big match. Like it was you know we had the Champions League, we had Liverpool. Which should have been Ajax, but it ended up being Liverpool, as we know. <laughs> <laughs> Very true. It was
0: definitely like the hardest draw you could have got. As well. yeah. like, hands down, the hardest draw. Yeah, yeah and we did,
2: yeah. We, did, we did we did quite well. I think we gave mm-hmm. a good showing of ourselves. But of course, I think I think we put everything into that Liverpool match, and then we lost two 0 and then we lost. Then we had Milan straight after, and then yeah, we lost that. You know, we dominated the game, and then seventy fifth minute changed, and um, I think that was a big mental. Mental blow, as Inzaghi admitted a few weeks after that. We're still licking our wounds from that defeat. You know, Giroud getting that, getting those two goals. And then they'll continue. The big matches continued and the players got tired. So I think it was just, I was just thinking just, you know, we need the, for once I wanted the international break. I was like, give us this international break. (laughs) Let these guys physically recover. Inzaghi, I think, needed to rotate a little bit more, which he started to do now. And I think now, yeah, we can see the team looks a lot more fresher and mentally I think we've recovered. So that's what my hope was and it's worked out. And Correa coming back from injury, I think people underrated his um, him missing from the team a lot as well. So do you think we uh, we kind of mentioned it before in the
1: previous part of the pod? I remember everybody who's watching on YouTube, you can actually find the link to the full episode right below. And if you're listening on the pod and you want to look at our beautiful faces, just look for our channel on YouTube. But we were just discussing the fact that maybe this Coppa Italia semifinal derby was a decisive factor in another competition, which is Serie A. Do you think this is the morale boost that we needed? What I said is that... Besides everything else, what I love the most of this game was the attitude that Inter walked on the pitch with. What are your takeaways from these 90 minutes of football?
2: Yeah, I think we had to beat them, the fact because it was the fourth derby this season, and we have we had this season we haven't beaten them because last like four or five years we've been dominating the derby, but this time this year hasn't been that good. So it was good to actually finally get that win over them and a convincing win. And as you said. I think just as their win against us in the league kind of threw us off for like a whole month afterwards, I think this defeat for them could be like a big killer in the, in their Scudetto run in the coming in the coming weeks and give us that mental boost going into it. And I think it just shows, you know. We know, I think as Interisti, like we know that we are better than them on paper, and then in, in the derbies we've seen that we've played better than them in most of them, and we just haven't got the result. So this one was like the convince, the moment that it just convinces you, yes, we're the better team, we've got better players, better performance, and we should be the deserving Scudetto winners by the end of the season. So I hope, yeah, that's how it works out by the end of it. Knocking on all the wood <laughs> yeah, I can find yeah. around you.
0: Well, I think it also says a lot that d- despite the fact that you went through that rough patch, like with the form and like the really rough run of games, that they didn't run away from it. Like, or they didn't run away with it. You're still in with the shout. And I think that says a lot about the fact that the character of the team and the teams around you, like, do you think... Are you surprised that you're still in that you're still in it despite that run of form? And do you think it says a lot about the league?
2: Yeah, hundred percent, bro. Like I think this season is is gonna be, you know, obviously I'm gonna be happy if Inter win, of course. Mm-hmm. But whoever wins it, I think is gonna be the team that was the least bad. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because <laughs> yeah. everyone's just been dropping. Like at one point there was Napoli; they were top, they were unbeaten at the beginning of the season, and mm. then just dropped off. Inter, as I said, we won an amazing run. Then we dropped off. Milan, in this period, could have, if they like, mm-hmm. you know, got their shit together, could have run away with it. They could have, yeah. you know, been clear. But <laughs> no one. <laughs> at one point, it seemed like no one wanted to win it. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. I am surprised that we're still right there, and we still got that game in hand against Bologna. That finally, finally, we're going to get to play uh, next week. So I think, yeah, that is, is, it was surprising, but at the same time, I think. This is this is the reason why I think we should win it, because the level of the our opponents I don't think is as high as we were hoping at the beginning of the season. It's a very good Serie A season as like mm-hmm. a neutral and you know to watch, but I think as we've seen in Europe as well, the quality of the team isn't quite that high. Mm-hmm. Um, I know we were talking about it
1: off mic. I know that you kind of rejoiced the uh, of the fact that uh, finally uh, Shimoni Zagi started. Correa that is now back from injury together with Lautaro. Can you repeat your take on the our partnership uh, up front?
2: Yeah, partnership in the inverted quotes <laughs> because those two, I don't know, like do, do they do they even speak to each other or do they like I don't know? They just go on the pitch and just hope. Like I just feel like they have, especially when we went, we came from a Lukaku Lautaro partnership, Tommy. You know how good that partnership was for two years, and they seem to have this kind of you know, brainwave partnership where they just know where each other is without even talking. And then Jekyll and Lautaro is this complete opposite. They just, no understanding, no chemistry. Yeah. And I think, um, I think you know, a lot, and the, the fan base is split over the two. A lot of people blame, they say Jekyll is the one that steals the limelight or tries to do too much. So it's, it's not Lautaro's fault. And then there's the other part of the, part of the fan base that says it's Lautaro's fault. He should be you know, be able to support Dzeko better. And I think both sides are right, to be honest. But I just think they don't belong together. And that's why, mm. as I said, Correa coming back, he's, 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 he's that glue. Uh, and you know, the stats show it. And it's all coincidence that Inter, when he starts, they have 10 out of 10 wins when Correa started the season. Um, And he's not he's not like a world class player. He's not. Mm. I don't think he's ever going to be. He's 27 years old. He is what he is. But he's just adds that little bit of, you know, technical ability. He's able Mm -hmm. to drop in deep and take people 1v1, which no one in this inter team can do. He just adds something a little bit different to the team. Um, And I hope he stays fit. Fingers crossed he stays fit Mm -hmm. this uh, till the end of the season, because that's been the problem with Korea um he's just been very injury prone this season unfortunately
0: well I say I think and I feel like that's kind of the wider problem throughout his career right is that he does miss large parts of games but I feel like going back to the Liverpool game there was moments when you really could have done with him when you saw Martinez going up against Van Dyke or Dzeko <laughs> just running out of ideas and they were looking for each other and you're like you need that person who's just yeah able to take the responsibility get those extra yards and get the ball in the box i Personally, I really, really hope he does well because I made an awful trade in Fanta Calcio on the face of it. De La Feu Rory. for Correa. So I'm really yeah. hoping Correa... I know, man, I don't know what I was thinking. Um, so I'm really hoping Correa uh, comes in in the second half of the season. I have seen a lot of your... I think the word's propaganda on Twitter. I've, I've got a lot of time for it. I've got a lot of time for it.
1: <laughs> Look, and I think that Correa coming back is coming at a pretty good moment of the season where we're witnessing... Uh, he's still an Inter favorite, but we're witnessing an Akan Chalanolu drop of a form. Um, what do you think has happened there? Because a lot of Inter fans, well, of course, they they kind of love the move still from AC Milan and Inter Milan. And I'm the first in line. The When he left the pitch the other day at the stadium, everybody was singing Akan, 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 just like clapping their hands. Um, but what, what is your take on Uh the, the overall contribution is given this season, do you think he's still got something in him to end the season strong and possibly score a few important goals more?
2: Yeah, yeah. I think I think with people, I think we people try to focus too much on his goal contributions and things like that. Which he, I think, he's still, t- I think he's top three in terms of goals and assists contribution in the team this season. Um, after Jacko and Lautaro, which is quite, you know, if you told that t- to me when we signed them at the beginning of the season, it would have laughed in your face. But yeah, I, I think you know if the Derby, he wasn't good the other day against Milan. I think he was trying maybe too hard. Um, but I think he, I've been impressed with what he does off the ball as well now like he's become a complete midfielder which I wasn't expecting from him like he puts in a lot of like good tackles and you know he goes in for the 50 50s and battles really well like even if he doesn't play too well we know that obviously he's a drop-off in terms of quality compared to Ericsson mm-hmm. um, but I think I think he's done I think he's done quite well I don't even think it's that drop-off that people are talking about has been that bad to me, in in my honest opinion. I think he's going to be, yeah, still an important um, factor to play in the in the coming games.
1: Let's take a look at the. So, of course, the Coppa Italia final is going to be against Juventus on May eighteenth, I believe. I'm going to double check right now. Um, Well. Yes, it's always Juventus. It's a final. It, there, it gets a bit nerve wracking whenever this approaches, but at the same time, I was telling Rory, Inter could have a saying in a zero title season for Juventus. So I guess that's the that's the exciting bit. Uh, how do you feel about this uh, this final?
2: Yeah, I mean, it's uh, we played Milan four times this season. Now we're going to play. Um, Juve four times this season. <laughs> I'm sick of these big matches now. My yeah, heart can only yeah. take so much. Um, <laughs> but but on, Juve the 11th, to me. on the
1: eleventh on the eleventh of May, by the way. Sorry, continue.
2: Oh, that's quite yeah. That's quite that's soon, eh? yeah. yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's Three really,
0: <laughs> that's really, really soon. Um, I, I like. I don't know about you, Sean, but I think like the last Juve game was. Absolutely terrible, by all intents. Like as a game of football, it was an absolute aberration. Obviously, it got the result, and that's kind of all that matters. But do you think we should expect something different? Because I think Allegri is going to go into overdrive with this, like cynical ball in a final, right?
2: Yeah, yeah. I mean, we beat them at their own game, like in that game, yeah. because we, <laughs> yeah, yeah. we had like 35% possession and we just sat back <laughs> two shots on target. <laughs> but um, yeah, I think it's going to be more of the same, to be honest. That's why I'm not really looking forward to it. I think it's going to be another just awful game for the neutrals, I think. I, think, mm. I mean, it was good to watch in terms of there was a lot of, you know, tackles going in, a lot of arguing. Talking points. Yeah, yeah, of yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, And a lot of um, fouls.
1: It barely looks like football. But are you are you optimistic? So going into this final?
2: Yeah, yeah. I think uh weirdly, yeah, like in even from his Lazio days, he seems mm-hmm. to have a really good record against Juve and Allegri. Um, and he shows he's showing that this season. I mean, we beat them already in the super cup final, mm-hmm. we beat them away at their stadium. So yeah, I think uh, I'm confident going into it. Um but again, it's not I don't I don't think it's the um obviously the main goal is the scudetto, so mm-hmm. the full focus will be on that. But yeah, going making Juventus have a title three or, or zero titoli season as Jose would say, it would be Icing and on the cake. This is a nice, this is a nice little leeway because
1: Italian newspapers, of course, they're trying to jinx it by talking about the eventuality and the likelihood of a tripletino, which would be the <laughs> domestic treble with the super cup, the Coppa Italia, and hopefully the scudetto. And there would be something in common with the original triplete. Because the last Serie A match day would be on May 22nd, the day in which, in 2010, Javier Zanetti lifted Inter's third-ever Champions League. But so, I'm just going to read the remaining fixtures that we have until the end of the season, and then I would like your take who are the, uh, the the most bitter rivals that we're going to face. Um, and we're going to talk about that. So we've got this Saturday, Jose Mourinho taking a trip to his old stomping ground in uh, San Siro. So we've got Inter-Roma. On Wednesday, finally, the game in hand that everybody has been waiting for, Bologna-Inter. So we can look, finally look at an even table. Then we've got Udinese-Inter, Inter-Empoli, the Coppa Italia final against Juventus, and then Cagliari and Sampdoria. It looks like a pretty comfortable run of fixtures with Roma possibly being the only big name there. But do you feel like there could be some uh, unexpected slip
2: on the way? Yeah, man, Udinese. I just hate them. <laughs> yeah,
1: they
0: are the biggest pain in the ass team, yeah. right? They're the biggest. <laughs> they're such pain terrorists,
2: arse. man. Like uh, <laughs> these guys will just—they've already achieved safety, so they have nothing to play yeah. for. So they will just, you know, play their game, which fair play to them. You know, they do what they need to do. But it's like, yeah, I just see us, you know, maybe struggling to score against them just because they're such a um, difficult team to break down when they really mm-hmm. when they really sit back. But also, you know the situation at the bottom i hope it gets resolved pretty soon because that before it looked pretty done but now samdoria like they're dropping into like a relegation fight mm. they looked pretty safe but now Salernitana just out, out of the blue yesterday like yep. just revived their survival hopes and cagliari won against Asolo last week so it's got a little bit tighter than uh, we expected at the bottom so i hope that cagliari and samdoria those last two games are they don't have anything to fight for by that mm. time, because then it could be, and those two games could be really tricky, man. It's good that we have the last game at the
1: San Siro. uh, While AC Milan, if I'm not mistaken, will be playing Sassuolo away yeah. on the last match day. Do you think, Uncle, there is the possibility? Yes, they will be playing Sassuolo away. Do you think there is the possibility that everything, the title race, will go down to the very last match day?
2: I I, th- I think so. I've been saying for a while. I, th- I think it could be a an Aguero type uh, type <laughs> movement happening <laughs> in Serie A. I what? was
0: just thinking, then, Tommy. We need to get on tickets for that last game of the season, just in case. We need to try and get that secured straight away.
1: Straight away. Yeah. Yeah. No. Absolutely. Is there any possibility you will visit Italy sometime soon? We can go to the Sincero together, maybe.
2: Yeah, I would like to. I would like to, but at the moment it's difficult because just uh, I would have loved to go for that last game, the Sampdoria mm-hmm. one. But mm-hmm. my one of my friends is having his stag do. <laughs> at well the same <laughs>
1: you got you got to pick one or the other. So that would yeah. that would be a very busy day for you, uncle.
2: Yeah, I know. I'm gonna be checking <laughs> checking my phone whilst, <laughs> yeah, whilst we're doing whatever people do on the stag do. <laughs> and uh,
1: so this is the situation until the end of the season um let's talk a little bit about summer transfers uh sort of wish list for inter milan starting from the manager i would start is simone inzaghi set to stay do you think that's kind of accepted at the club uh he's going to be the manager at inter for the next season as
2: well yeah yeah 100 man like Unless he has like a crazy fall off the the next few games, but I just even, I think as he keeps saying now, which is a little bit annoying that he keeps mentioning that, but the target that he was set by the club was get top four, round of 16 Champions League, get as far as possible in the Coppa Italia. And he's, he's done, he's done all of those things. Um, and yeah, if he gets the Scudetto on top of that, like you know, he's improved from what Conte did in the Champions League. Let's not forget, Conte yeah. str- didn't get out of the group stage for two two seasons. People keep discounting because I think once you get out of the Champions League, you forget about it. But mm-hmm. we had a good run in the Champions League. you um, gave a good account of ourselves even against Liverpool. Coppa Italia, we've done better than you know Conte did as well because Conte stopped in the semi final both years as well. Mm-hmm. So we've improved. I think the style of football as well. I think he deserves credit um he obviously had the Conte blueprint there to work with but he i think he improved on that so i think um i think yeah i think he's he's, he's definitely staying and you know he, he, they said he was pretty much there was a contract agreed mm-hmm. and it was in who said he wanted to wait actually which was uh, interesting he came out and said that you know he asked the club to wait until the summer i think mm-hmm. the club already offered him the new contract so i think i can see that happening in the summer By the way, um, I like how this team
1: that for many years has played in the shadows of football with, I don't know, man, those years from when we won the treble until like four or five years ago, some of them were... Pretty wooful. Uh, I have to say that I'm happy that we're collecting (laughs) final game experiences. Mm. So we had the the Europa League final, which we lost, but it's still an experience. Then we had the Supercoppa Italiana, which we won. Now there is another one. And I think that's fundamental to build the personality, both Mm -hmm. on the uh, national stage and on the international stage. Another thing I want to say about uh, Inzaghi. I feel like he would he was much more poised as a player than his brother but I feel right now as a manager his crazy Inzaghi side is really coming out. Like the mm-hmm. way he screamed at the referee during the derby, you could see it from the stance. We're just like, <laughs> man, you need to calm the fuck down. You're gonna get a red card sometime soon.
2: Yeah, yeah. People thought it was gonna be like a drop-off from Conte in terms of passion on the sideline. But I I saw I used to see him at Lazio as well. Like I, I said to people, You you're gonna be surprised. This guy, you know, you can see in the post press conference, he's always lost his voice after the match. Every time his voice is gone. Also, another
1: very funny thing about Inzaghi, which I absolutely love, he's not a chubby nor a fat man, but he's got a double chin, which I think is <laughs> incredible. I don't know how, like, all the fat that he has in his body is under his chin, which is, which is pretty hilarious. <laughs> Let's move on to the pitch itself, starting from a position that we need to figure the fuck out. Goalkeeper, I will let you go, Uncle. We've got Onana on the way. What is going to happen? Andanovich is kind of, like, stomping his feet, saying... I want to stay, and I don't want to alternate with this new keeper, right?
2: <laughs> yeah, I mean, he, he, this he's got, he's got an ego on him, Mandanovic. You know, he's very <laughs> quiet, but, you know, whenever he speaks, he does usually uh, uh, fire some shots at, at fans. Um, but, yeah, we've needed to replace Mandanovic for probably two seasons, I would say. Mm-hmm. But it's just one of those positions where you can get away. Like, you don't necessarily have to have, you know, a top, top keeper. Um, these days to to win to win the scudetto as we saw last season, Um and he still comes out with good saves here and there. You know, there's no denying that he's still a decent keeper. And uh, at some points, it's just that we know that, yeah, his command of his box and his like decision making and his r- reflexes now are just pretty poor. So Onana, I think you know, free transfer that was a a really good you know opportunity that I think we needed to you know, take advantage of. But at the same time, if you've seen the AFCON um, and if you're seeing the clips that I'm seeing from Ajax the recently last few weeks when he's been starting again, uh, I, was, I was expecting him to be rusty because let's not forget he's been out for over a year because of that mm-hmm. ban that he had. So I was expecting some rustiness. But now we're getting to, you know, the third or fourth month that he's back into, you know, playing proper football and he's still looking pretty rusty and shaky bad decision-making and some, yeah, pretty poor cool. saves. So, he's going to need some time when he, when he comes in. So, I don't know if he... If, 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 I feel like... I feel like... Uh, Tommy, I don't want to, you know, annoy you, but I feel like we're going to see Andanovic again starting for <laughs> Inter next season. <laughs> uh, there was
0: one thing about him that impressed me. And I think it was you that shared it on your Twitter. The interview he had after one of the games where he was just crazy frank and open and was like, look, I've been out of the game for a year. Like, I'm not... Uh, where I need to be like that. I know I need to improve. I think that's one thing where I'm like, well, at least we talked about it at the beginning of this episode about how certain players aren't able to do that and aren't able to admit that they've been in bad form. Um, is that thought, at guessing. least at least there's that right he knows that he's not where he needs to be um, just
1: say the word Maguire.
2: yeah i'm <laughs> yeah, guessing yeah, you guys are talking
1: about but yeah so i think
0: it. at least he's got that right at least he's got that
1: but imagine if their mindset is not there what is a goalkeeping rivalry going to create like you don't know if your spot is uh, secured or not you have to fight in training with the other guy <laughs> guys this is an appeal to inter milan figured figure that out because one thing that I've always loved about this team is that we've always had world-class goalkeepers and Mm -hmm. that position was always sorted. I have mad respect for Andanovic because in those years that I was a season ticket holder for Inter Milan, (laughs) I've seen some lineups, man,
2: the (laughs) the
1: the Schellottos and all that. And Andanovic was the one keeping the ship afloat all the time. Mm -hmm. So mad respect for that guy. I've almost felt bad for him because I was like, this guy would deserve so much more than what he's getting. He got the title. And right now I would like the acceptance from himself to be like, maybe I'm done. Maybe I should move on. Maybe I should go fishing. I can see him fishing on some lake or something. Just do some activities with your family. But let's move on to the defense. Is there any name in defense that uh, you would let go if an offer, if a proper offer was to come?
2: you yeah, you you know the answer man is the dery um again he's he's not even a disrespect to him or anything because he's still as he showed you know the other day in the Derby, i think he's been a little bit over criticized this season mm-hmm. but you know he's he's 29 I think hes gonna be 30 he's on his last year of his contract the next uh, season so i think it's time to cash in now if it's possible and uh, I, I think you know some some premier league team should go for him i think he's a good could be a good quality addition for you know, not much, uh, not, not very expensive. So I wouldn't be surprised if Conte comes in for, for De DeVry, to be honest. Yeah, I would be quite annoyed to see him arrive at Tottenham, to be honest. <laughs>
0: I'd be like, oh, damn, they really
2: are getting, getting their shit
0: together. Him and Romero could do really well together, I'll be honest.
1: Wow, that would be an interesting uh, move from Serie A to the Premier League. What about midfield? What are our priorities? Are there any names you would let go? Any names that you've kind of set your eyes on? I think we need absolutely somebody to substitute what Brozovic does whenever that guy takes a breath off the pitch.
2: (laughs) Yeah, uh, yeah. again, like Dijandanovic, I think we've needed a vice Brozovic for two mm-hmm. seasons as well like the guy just they always play everyone was pretty unless he gets injured or suspended he's he plays every single minute mm-hmm. um so I think you know if we are gonna have to you know cut down on wages and have a little bit of a again a difficult summer in terms of incomings I don't know why we shouldn't give the opportunity to Lucy and Agume the guy the youngster who's on loan out at um Brest in in Ligue mm-hmm. I've heard that he's done quite well he starts pretty much every single match for them um he's he was supposed to be you know in that same age group as chouameni um you know all these guys coming up he was the captain of that team in the france under 19 i believe so you know he was supposed to be highly higher rated than all of those guys so you know i I wouldn't see why and we do need to rejuvenate the squad as well so low-cost option already in the in the squad so Mm. why not give him give him an opportunity um to agume and then the hakan position as we mentioned earlier you know he's done he's done well but if it's possible to upgrade on him like rodrigo de paul is still my dream Uh, it was it was painful to see him go to atletico madrid um from what i understand we had everything agreed with udinese for the same price that he went to atletico but we just didn't have the the money to do to mm. actually pull through on the deal. So, and I, I saw today I a report linking us again to him because he's not a starter at Atletico. Mm. um So, that would be amazing. And obviously, we need to replace uh, Vidal's contract. Looks like he's going to be over or they're going to pay him off to leave because he earns mm. too much money to be a substitute. And um, vecinos is expiring. So, we need two substitute midfielders coming in anyway. So, th- those are definitely the priorities.
0: Well, this is something I think for Inter that like we were talking about it before we hit record about it It is an aging squad. And there's one transfer that really like that's already been done that really jumped out to me, which was Gosens coming in, of course, got his first goal uh, during the week. But the player he's coming to replace, like someone like Perisic, do you think you'll get one more year out of him, two more years out of him? Because he's become, for me, he's one he's one of my favourite interplayers. I love watching him. His output is ridiculous. I've got him in fantasy this year. I'm seeing his output is ridiculous. <laughs> like, do you think, is he another player that's going to be moved on or do you think you can squeeze a little bit more out of him?
2: Yeah, yeah. He's he's like um, kind of that. He looks like you know one of those obsessed footballers who's just going to drag his career out because he's just... Yeah, yeah. He's, you know, he's he's ripped. He's like, you know, Mm -hmm. takes care of himself. You can see he's like obsessed with like, you know, he's got his own personal coach as well on Instagram. He's always posting about, and he's still, you know, yeah, thirty-three years of age. Like he's the the amount of sprints he does. Like Mm -hmm. this position, like usually, you know, people that perform better as they get older. You know, is the center mids, center backs. Strikers, maybe, but wingers or like wing yeah. backs. Usually, wing don't. backs is
0: such an intense
2: role as well, yeah. it's such
0: an intense role, yeah.
2: So, yeah, it's, it's a shame for Ghostens that he's coming <laughs> <Yeah>. into <laughs> this guy's an absolute machine. So, the yeah. only way I can see Ghostens getting into the team at the moment is if Perisic, because he's both footed, mm-hmm. um, to move out to the right, maybe to fit Ghostens in. So, that's the only way I can see Ghostens coming in. So, I can see, yeah, us offering at least a year or two contract to Perisic, which I hope we do. Mm
1: -hmm. and finally let's move to the attack and uh, i will just ask you a question and then i will let you go with whatever hopes and (laughs) dreams and moves you would make lukaku yes lukaku no yes really (laughs) damn
2: bring him home
0: bring the boy home (laughs) i'm quite happy him eating up chelsea's Ever diminishing wage budget because oh, yeah. that's running out pretty quick, I'll be honest. <laughs> <laughs> no,
1: Sorry,
2: bring I'll him home, you man. Yeah, yeah bring rein. him home. The boy, like, um, I mean, I'm not saying like buy him, but like on a loan, if it's possible mm-hmm. to like rip Chelsea off and just they pay half the wages as well. Um, mm-hmm. then 100 percent But if they if they're talking about, you know, we have to pay his full 13 million salary, whatever it is, and we have to maybe pay like an option to buy it then then no if it's a loan then yeah bring him back because at the moment the more time goes on as well like yesterday he looked really when he came on against Arsenal he didn't he looks like he's gained weight again yeah he was
0: awful honestly he like he he was dragged off, and he was sweating. And I'm surprised he
2: honestly he built up a sweat. The guy barely moved. It was insane. <laughs> it was insane. Yeah, so I don't know if it's the fish and chips again that in England <laughs> that's hitting him. I don't know what it is the in, the English diet that's hitting him. He maybe needs to come back and eat some uh, some spaghetti in uh, in Milan. But yeah, there's a lot of like you know variables with Lukaku. Where it's like we need him to first get back to that physical shape. And now we need to recover him mentally as well. Like the guy, you know, we're talking about saving his career again, like basically what we mm. did the first time round with the, when we bought him from, from United. So but to me, I think we should if we can bring him back, we could we could we should. Otherwise, I think we need like the long-term replacement mm. for 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 Jekyll, because he's 36. We can't keep playing Jekyll. Um, and there's not too many names to be honest, like out there. When people talk about it, it's like it's difficult to actually say who you actually want. But to me, mm-hmm. I like I like Scamacca, the boy at Sassuolo. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he's the future, like Italy number nine. But at the same time, Sassuolo asking for forty million, which is, I think, is too much for a guy who's only this is his first proper yeah. starter season. They it's also have a weird relationship with Juve, where they'll just give it to Juve for like two
0: pounds and like a promise, right? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. ten-year like, ten a a loan. Yeah, yeah
1: ten-year ten loan, exactly. <laughs> like that. So Skamaka is one of the possible names. The thing that I think, when I look at the Inter squad this year, which I think is also what we. The big difference uh, against Liverpool was that Liverpool just like kept bringing these big names out of the bench. Yeah, um, we don't have that in our attack. As much as I love the guy Alexis Sanchez, I believe that that's a pretty heavy wage bill that I don't know mm-hmm. if we can sustain. Who do you do you think? Satriano, uh, the Uruguayan, has been doing quite well over at Bastia. Um, who do you think should could replace uh, uh, Sanchez? Do you think he should be replaced or not to start with?
2: Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think similar to Vidal, I think his uh, his wages are just too much for what they um, they offer now at their age mm-hmm. and they're injury prone as well. So I think I think the Sanchez one is probably going to be DiBala coming in. To be honest, I think he's going to be Sanchez out, DiBala in because it's pretty much the exact same wage. Yeah, and he's 28, DiBala, although he is injury prone as well. So I see. Holy like is, for
1: he, like. is he injury
2: prone?
1: <laughs> <laughs> that's the thing I feel like the second he gets injured I will get pissed off if he comes to Inter Milan but
2: if, if him and Korea can like you know alternate their injuries <laughs> yeah <laughs> and they can just, just have an agreement right <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
1: but look I like that idea of uh, just like uh, uh, these three Argentinians up front uh, La Correa Correa Di Bala and Lautaro that would be pretty exciting but the big question uncle if Diego Simeon Comes to you with eighty million and says, "I want the Wonder Boy, Lautaro." What do you do? Do you do you do you kick Lautaro in the butt or not?
2: Yeah, yeah. I book. Uh, I pull up to Asari's house and drive him to, to Madrid. <laughs> <laughs> so it is.
1: It is going to be a summer uh, that, if again another summer where, if the good offer comes, players are going to leave.
2: Yeah, yeah, I think it's going to be another one. Unfortunately, I think until sooning, uh, inter, um, unfortunately, I think we're going to have these um, summers mm. where Marotta and Auxilio are going to have to make miracles every summer of like selling but not re- not reinvesting the same amount they sold for. So, if we sell Lautaro, I feel like we're probably going to reinvest half of that. Um, so not as bad as last summer where we sold for like 170 and we spend about 40. <laughs> I think it's <laughs> going to be like if we sell Lautaro for eighty, I think we can we'll probably reinvest like forty into like someone like Skamaka. So that's what mm. I see happening.
1: All right, so let's just go win these two remaining titles, and then brace ourselves for a long yeah. summer once again, again. <laughs> of opening the newspaper every morning and being like, "Please no, please!" Oh damn it, he's gone. He's Don't gone. Don't buy the, the newspaper. Gone. Just save save your money. <laughs> yeah. All right, before we jump to the end of the episode, where we're going to review uh, preview the Serie A and Premier League games, I have one final question for Uncle. You can make it as short as you want. Is for AC Milan fans. You know that AC Milan fans are already putting their hands forward. They're saying that if Inter were to win this title, this title would have been decided by the referees. Mainly, they are pointing at the Udinese game, where Doji has scored with his hand. They are pointing at the Spezia game, where they were disallowed to go and then Spezia actually won it. They are pointing at this incident that happened in the Coppa Italia semifinal. Uncle, what do you say to... Um, what do you say to a spiteful AC Milan fan at this moment in the season?
2: Keep crying. <laughs> <laughs> Have some more salt here. I'll, I'll give you some more sodium. Like this is ridiculous, man. Like I think it it is one of those things. I can see why, you know, when we used to do the same with Juventus. I can see, you know, the the winners are always hated more than everyone else, mm. aren't they?
1: Mm-hmm. And they are they are calling Inter Milan the new Juventus, which to me, every time, it's just like a little... Ah, I don't know, I feel like our clubs are really different. But we've got it to the end of the episode. Uh, Uncle. we'll let you stay here with us as we preview the weekend across the Premier League. Rory, what have we got?
0: It all kicks off on Saturday at half past one, Central European time, and I'm shitting myself because United are in the mud And, of course, they're coming up against Arsenal. So I am fully, fully expecting them to scum a 1-0 win. David De Gea becomes Lev Yashin, and I'm crying in Saturday afternoon. Um, I cannot see anything but that happening, unfortunately. Um, Then we have – there's a load of, like, derbies this weekend. We have Leicester taking on Villa on Saturday. We have Man City Watford – That's going to be a cricket score. It usually is when Man City play Watford. Um, Norwich taking on Newcastle. Newcastle now, this year, have the second most points in the league. Only Liverpool have collected more. Eddie Howe properly turning them round with all that blood money. Then we've got Brentford taking on Tottenham and Burnley. Oh, no, that's on Sunday. So, the last game on Saturday is Brentford taking on Tottenham. Really hoping, really hoping Brentford gets something there. On Sunday, we've got Burnley taking or hosting Wolves, Deichlis, I think this is going to be more and more misery for Burnley. Then we have the Derby's Chelsea taking on West Ham. If West Ham gets something here, that third spot for Chelsea is looking more and more at risk. West Ham's record against Chelsea is actually pretty decent. We have Brighton taking on Southampton in the South Coast Derby almost. Then the Merseyside Derby, Liverpool taking on Everton. I think people are thinking this game is going to be harder than it's going to be. I think this is going to be a walk in the park for Liverpool. And then it all ends with Crystal Palace taking on Leeds United. I am bricking it about this weekend. But at least the game gets out of the way nice and early. If Arsenal lose, I can just sulk for the next 48 hours and it won't affect my work.
1: In Serie A, it all kicks off on Saturday afternoon at 3pm with Two games. Torino-Spezia, both teams are on the beach. Spezia not quite, yes, maybe a few more points and they should be officially on the beach sunbathing. Venezia instead are struggling again. They're going to take on Atalanta, who are in poor, poor forms but they've been doing much better on the road than at home this season. At 6 p.m., it's the Jose Mourinho Derby as uh, Roma, the Giallorossi, travel all the way to the San Siro. Uh, to see who is the better side. We will see one of the bigger obstacles for Inter Milan from here to the final match day. And then at 8.45 on Saturday, we've got Elas Verona against Sampdoria, who, as uh, Uncle Sharma said, are kind of struggling at the moment. And Elas Verona are a very good team. We've got then on Sunday, Salernitana Fiorentina. Fiorentina, they've been doing really well recently. They've even defeated Naples On the road, however, Salernitana, they've won for the first time this season two consecutive games. Now it's looking like uh, safety could be possible. Their manager, Davide Nicola, has said that if they were to make it, he would walk all the way from Salerno to Rome to meet the Pope. I looked it up. That's 274 kilometers, a 57-hour walk He's already done something similar when he escaped the relegation with Turin. Good luck, Davide. At 3pm on Sunday, we've got two games, Bologna-Udinese and Empoli-Napoli. Napoli are looking like they're out of the title race for now, but Inter and Milan have big games. We will see if they've got what it takes to keep their hopes alive. Genoa Cagliari, big relegation battle at 6pm, and at 8.45 another Rome versus Milan derby, as we've got Lazio AC Milan over at the Stadio Olimpico in Rome. And the Serie A all wraps up on Monday night at 8.45 with Sassuolo Juventus, uncle. Anything to say about this uh, Serie A match day?
2: Yeah, no, uh, a lot of things are gonna be gonna be uh, decided. I think so. Just looking uh, looking forward to it for sure. i Think the Inter Roma game is gonna be spicy for sure mm. with uh, Mourinho. We beat them twice this season, so I'm sure Mourinho is gonna be looking to. Um, to get one over us at least uh, this uh, this season, so. yeah.
1: We kind of spanked them both times, so, so yeah. I think yeah. I think Mourinho is going to to create something. Roma's defense have been very good recently, but Uncle, it's been a pleasure to have you on. Thank you very much for agreeing uh, to come here. I'm going to say goodbye to you now and thank you before Rory sends us off with our customary quote. And
0: the quote this week, I think it's the first time we've quoted the great man himself, and it's only because we've beaten Chelsea this week that I'm quoting him. It is Mikel Arteta, and as we tried to figure out exactly what Arsenal are, he said, the guy who invented this game, he wanted to make us suffer because when you expect something, something else happens. Have a good weekend, guys,
1: and we will see you on Monday. Talk to you soon. Bye-bye, Uncle Sharma.
2: Ciao.